This is Mouth Media Network. Amplify and connect. Hello, my name is Jessica Jordan with Jessica Jordan Events. And what I love about retail is the emotional experience that you have when you purchase something that gives you that purpose in life. From New York City, you're listening to Retail is Your Business, covering the intersection of innovation and business in the retail industry. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the show. So happy to have you here. I'm Mark Rako sitting in, uh, I guess, guest hosting <laughs> along with my good friend and retail expert, Rebecca Fitz. Hi, Rebecca. Hi, Mark. How are you faring right now with this whole crazy reality that we're in? I'm faring okay, but you're probably hearing this from a lot of folks. Um, You know, it comes in waves. One minute you're like, this is great. I've got it under control. (laughs) And then you can't find a mask to walk out the door and and it it goes downhill. But um, I think we're, uh, I'm adjusting to the new normal, which um, I I bet a lot of other people are too. So uh, that's good news. Yeah, I I know it's crazy. It's like uh, I think one of the weirdest things to me, and I don't mean to get political here or anything, but like walking out the door, and the weirdest thing to me is watching people carrying their masks, <laughs> and I'm like, why bring why bring it? It's it you know it's like that it just looks inconvenient to me. <laughs> it's like why just right. commit? <laughs> you know, I don't know. I I think one of the really interesting dynamics we're going to find is as retail spaces do really open up and our people are able to start congregating more, you know, the tension between those that still feel they need to protect themselves and those that don't want to. And I think there's already a little tension out there. I, I have not yeah. made any citizen arrests, but um, <laughs> I've, I've, I've given the hairy eyeball over a mask, <laughs> not, not being on the face or two. So, um, you know, <laughs> You know what's interesting? I was in, not to believe the, the conversation, but I was in a, a supermarket yesterday uh, or the other day, and uh, uh, there were two people I noticed in there that didn't, uh, worker, one was a worker and one was an, uh, a customer, and did, did not have their mask on. They had them pulled down to their chin. And I turned to them and I said, Excuse me, I just wanted to let you know that your mask <laughs> is not on all the way. And in one case, the guys, the worker just said, Oh, sorry, I forgot. And then he put it back up and I'm just like, you forgot, whatever. Don't right. forget. See, that's a much nicer citizen's arrest than I probably would do. I have to use that. I'm taking that. I'm using that. <laughs> that's it. And then the customer was like, and then he put it on, you know. But I noticed later he'd taken it back down when he was once he was out of my eye shot. Oh, don't don't get me wrong, Rebecca. I I am I am very comfortable with tackling. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> um, but but from a socially distant, responsible. Exactly. <laughs> from six feet away. <laughs> exactly. Anyway, enough of this. Uh, yes. Joining us, of course, is Jessica Jordan, the founder of Jessica Jordan Events, aptly named. Hi, Jessica. Welcome to the show. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. So happy you're here. Uh, how are you faring, Jessica? What's going on with you both from a personal standpoint? And uh, gosh, I'm just so curious to know, how has an events business been able to find any traction or foothold or hope in, in an environment like this? So first, first, how are you? 
Uh, well, personally, I am a very positive person. So I think compared to a lot of the industry, I'm, I'm faring well. I, I like to set goals for my day every day so that I don't <laughs> finish the year on the couch. And <laughs> I, I like to keep social. I set up cocktail hours with my clients that I may have remaining and my friends and the industry and any type of a Zoom or educational seminar that I can join, I always sign up for. And I do like to go for walks. So I'm getting out there, of course, with my face mask and keeping social distancing. And I think I'm, I'm faring well. I'm not saying that every day is perfect. There are some, some difficult days. But I, you know, wake up the next day and have a new positive day. So you just have to take mute on the news, I think, is important. And not listen to the news and watch the news every day. So Thank you. In, in my business, <laughs> in yeah. my business, that's an entirely different story. There have been a lot of ups and downs with that. And I think for the first month, I was, I was doing well. I actually was booking new business. I was reaching out to a lot of my industry colleagues and letting them know that I have crisis management experience. And I, I gained a few new clients and that was great. Uh, there are clients who have, you know, not handled it very well and it's compromised their family's income. And there are some challenges with that. Uh, the industry Overall, I think everybody's a cheerleader. We're, we're party planners. We're happy people. So I think that the industry is doing the best that we can. And I think that there are some people that are negative Nancy's and have always been that way. And this, this crisis hasn't changed that. So uh, those are the people I think they're going to fall to the wayside. And the positive people will come through at the end. But we're just doing the best we can. And I guess that's that's all we can do. If you can't have your event planner approach life from a positive standpoint, who can you? Exactly. That, that's a good exactly. takeaway. Right <laughs> well, I have exactly. To, I have to say, I read uh, Biz Bash regularly. Um, one, because I'm always interested in events, but they do some really good coverage of, um, you know, retail events and certainly what the store experience should be and, you know, some of the over, over the top things that they've done. Um, so I was excited to get to connect with you today because, um, I mean, that still is really going to matter, but, um, even though you may only be able to have five people in your store at a time, and that might include two of the sales associates, um, right. And I, I chuckle, as I say this, I'm, I'm terribly positive about this as well, but, um, you know, I, I'm curious from an events perspective, you know, um, thinking about retailers, big and small, um, you know, how, how we, um, bring people back into stores, uh, comfortably, safely. And I, I, I certainly think this probably also applies, um, to your core industry, um, you know, are, are you just going to get married and only have 10 people there and wear a mask and be six feet apart. Um, so I'd, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that uh, as far as how we can innovate. Um, and as you well know, the situation is so liquid. 
uh, so dynamic that we could have a conversation today about what we should do and it might might change a little further out. Right. I think currently the I think within the industry it's pretty common. Everybody is is has just looked at 2020 as a wash. And we are postponing all the way until starting May next 2021. So so we have accepted what is happening. We realize we will unable to be having, you know, the size of the weddings I do are 200 to 500 usually. I do large weddings. So we know that won't happen. And the reason we know is because of how slow everything is progressing. And if you can't even go into a retail store with, you know, with more than 10 people, how are we going to have 200 to 500 people doing the horror on the dance floor? So we have accepted what is happening. We're planning ahead. We're keeping our, our clients upbeat and, you know, explaining to them that it could be worse. We live in America and there are other countries that have some of these or worse challenges day to day, and that is their life. And so we have to just keep positive and keep their spirits up because that's all we can do. And, and look forward to the future and really promote our businesses in the meantime and, you know, try to plan ahead. So we're all planners and we're planning ahead. That's the best we can do. How do you think, Jessica, retailers and other businesses are even thinking about events right now? Are they, are they, are they, is it just no events or are they thinking about events differently? For example, can you integrate yourself into online events and help them think about online or virtual events through the mind of an event planner and help them coordinate something that has as much impact as possible, for example? Or is that just not even helpful to you or, or you don't feel you can provide enough value in that way? There are and have been some online participation events where it, whether it was a birthday party or online weddings where people could zoom in and the couple got married in their home. And so that, that could be viable, for example, a wedding gown designer because the bride is still purchasing a gown or the groom is still purchasing his suit. However, for a planner who organizes large luxury events, such as I do, it's not a viable profession when, when we are under the restraints that we are. So I've actually started looking into other sources uh, of events and, and that being education. And a lot of planners are, are looking into education and providing that as well. So uh, I don't see it in a, I don't see online as being really an income for, for our industry. However, there, there could be, I mean, people are talking and, and trying to come up with a new normal. We just don't know how long this is going to happen. And we are people, people. We, we, we hug and kiss each other every time we see each other. When I go to the Knot Gala every year, I'm hugging and kissing approximately 1,000 people. It is real. We are touching and we crave that. And I really don't know if the new normal will be normal for the event industry. I'm not sure yet. Not sure yet. How do you see your ability to look ahead at what things can or will be and try to be a leader in that new direction uh, versus, say, taking the temperature and trying to, to do your best within that new normal? 
How are you thinking about that? I'm trying to really promote positivity. And before, when I was extremely busy with events and planning, I I sort of put social media to the wayside and I was more focused on what was just, you know, my, my day to day actions. I, I wasn't looking on how I could educate. And I think personally, if I can educate more and try to keep the positivity up, then that is what I'm trying to do. I'm partnering with venues and taking over their Instagram and trying to, remember the events that we had so that people aren't forgetting and and we can and I, I really dislike the word pivot because it's being used so much but we can transition our huge luxury events and and still have it and just tweaking it and you know keeping the spirits up I think pe- I don't want people to lose hope I want to keep the hope and I mean if we don't have hope what is there so I'm trying to keep positive. And I think that being a leader in positivity is huge. I work on the physical side of the retail business. And I hear from, um, you know, brokers saying, you know, there there will be a vaccine at some point and um, there, you know, you'll hug and kiss people again and things like that. Um, and sometimes I give him a little the raised eyebrow and think he's he's just being dolly positive, but, but he's not. I don't think though it will be... Um, like turning on a switch. Um, so it's interesting. Um, you, as you said, you're a very outgoing person. If Nordstrom, um, through a reopening event, would you, uh, let's start from the bottom. Would you attend and, and what, what do you think it would look like? And opening, I mean, Nordstrom's one of my favorite stores. It's as soon as it opens, I'll be there. And if I, <laughs> me too. <laughs> If I attend, their customer service is, is amazing. And I've shopped there since I was a child and I've shopped online since uh, this lockdown has started. So I, I certainly would attend if the rule was that I had to wait, wear a face mask, I would wear a face mask. If it was optional, probably not. I want to live my life and not have any regrets. That's how my personal life and that's my mantra always like always live every day as if it's your last. And some people may disagree with that, but I live my my life as if every day is my last. And if I go to a Nordstrom event and get COVID, then that's what was meant to be. I really want to respect others and wear a face mask if it's required, but eventually it's not going to be required and we need to move on. We need to move forward and we, we can't live our lives in our homes. Right, right. And there'll, there'll be phases to it for sure. Um, and, you know, I think, you know, you, you made this point a little earlier about how important food and beverage is to your industry. And, you know, obviously I would fold in um, for these conversations kind of on COVID, you know, the, the restaurant industry and food and beverage, and they're, they're certainly re- really struggling. But what I'm seeing now is that um, restaurants are trying to open and certainly sell alcohol, which they have a great margin on. And you, you're able to have a drink out in the street, six feet apart from someone, and they pull down their mask to have a sip. It, you seem very, very open. Would you, if there were food and beverage being served, I'm assuming you'd partake in that as well. Absolutely. And I'm one of those restaurant uh, beverage consumers. I went last weekend 
I live in Upper West Side. I went down to uh, West Village, which is my favorite neighborhood in the city, and met up with an industry colleague, and we got drinks, and we walked over and watched the sunset on the water, and it was great because everybody was clapping at seven o'clock, and so it's great to be out and to see others participating as well, and yes, when we walked there, we wore our, our face masks, but we went back and got another drink, and and then this weekend, again, yesterday, I went down and, and, and met my colleague again, and everybody's drinking in the street, and it's, we, we'd like, we're, we're ready. We're ready to move forward. We have to start getting out there and supporting the business. What's funny about that is that I noticed the price of my wine increased by $2 in one week. <laughs> that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a, uh, what do you call that? That's a um, hazard pay. For the for the bartender, <laughs> I guess. Uh, well, you know, on that on that note, all kidding aside, look, I love this positivity, and uh, and I don't mean to I don't mean to cut you off of where your track was here, Rebecca, uh, but Jessica, um, I'm curious how you're thinking. You know, there's there's what's allowed by law, what a business is willing to do and pay for. And then there's business for you, let's say. Uh, there's restaurants being able to be open. There's bars able to be open. And then there's the psyche of the American consumer and where people are willing to be and go and where their own trust factor is based on their own personal preferences. Now, I'll tell you just me, this is not intended as a commentary. My wife and I have yet to got, get takeout uh, or, or get any prepared food the entire time of this quarantine because we just have not trusted that we can 100% be sure there's no danger to us. Uh, we have to eat. So we do buy food and then we carefully wash it at home or prepare it at home. So with people like us who may be a little more timid to going out and partaking in an event because of that caution, it'll be a, you know, let's say the timeline for them may be a little longer than other people. How do you think about that as an event planner to try to not say, well, sorry, you snooze, you lose. You're not ready to come out. We're just going to miss you. How do you think about trying to not disconnect from those people who have those fears? That is such a good question. I, I actually spoke to my colleague yesterday about this and helping them with their business and making sure that everybody feels inclusive because there are some age groups that are scared to come out to events. And I think the new normal is going to be that everybody can attend virtually if they're frightened to go to the event with many people. They have the option to participate online, and that's going to be an additional cost for the venue to set it up, but perhaps they could reflect it in their per per person price. I don't think people are going to want to spend extra on that, but if it's included, I think it's a really great way where people can participate from afar, but still enjoy watching and being part of the crowd so that later, as you're speaking about the wedding that everybody attended, you don't feel left out. And so I think that's going to be more and more popular. And maybe this would be a great time to just unpack exactly what your business is. I know we understand that you do event planning, but what is the range of the types of things that you do, particularly as it relates to business, uh, business uh, events and, and, uh, and undertakings? Yes, I, I have a luxury event company. And what that means is that I plan special events for, say, a couple. I plan their wedding. 
for uh, Bar Bat Mitzvah. I plan their Havdalah celebration. I'll plan birthday celebrations, anniversaries, really anything you name it, I do. I can do it. Uh, I do not focus on corporate just because I'm more of a creative and I really thrive on thinking outside of the box. And my goal always is to really go above and beyond and make people happy. And the scope of my events is typically anywhere from 200 to 500 guests. A lot of my events are on the larger side and they are luxury. So on average, uh, about 1200 per person. And so when people always say, how much did that wedding cost? It's always interesting for me to answer that because it really depends on the guest count. And so it can range anywhere from 300 to $1 million. Gotcha. So as businesses are thinking ahead, when they're ready to start investing in events from a, a retail side, from a business side, um, or anything that they're connected with, even that's a personal, you know, event, how, how can they be thinking about, okay, these, we're, these are challenging economic times for many, uh, and many businesses are trying to be very cautious because they don't know that this is over, over. Are we going to see a second wave? How do we make sure that we stay vigilant? How, how can they be thinking about approaching a luxury event or a high-end event while still keeping that budget in mind? Can they? Absolutely. I, I think we're going to go about our business the way we always have. And I think that the addition of PPE or whatever requirements are, are going to be mandated, then I, I don't think that's going to elevate costs that much. I think that they definitely will be looking at their budgets differently. I think that, you know, the $30,000 carpeted ballroom will probably be put on the back burner. And because we do recarpet ballrooms sometimes. And if it has ugly carpet, we'll recarpet, we'll lay a new acrylic dance floor. These things are upwards of $50,000 uh, for a two to 300 guest count. So I think they might be modifying that. However, I think the luxury client loves to entertain. They love to show off. It's very competitive with their, with their friend circles. And they might just decide to not spend in areas where it's not shown where it's not shown and for example perhaps uh i'm trying to think uh, definitely shown in music it's definitely shown in the food and beverage maybe people are spending less on their stationery for example Now here comes a twist. I'm going to share serious tips, challenges, and solutions. I'm 36 years old. I founded 21 companies. I'm an Inc. 500 awardee. It's one word. Entrepreneur. Guaranteed to get to the f***ing point. It happened to me not once, not twice, three times. This is going to happen. Write it down. With Eli Ostriker. Right now, let me focus on my logo. Focus on the website. You f***ing out of your mind. Are you crazy? This is Naked Entrepreneur. Listen, it's a podcast. Rated R. You work in a number of different states and not to have this all be about COVID, but, you know, we're interested certainly as a retailer that opens new stores for brands 
in opening in other states where the right. um, where it may be you know um, easier um, or they're they're running before us and hopefully they're not going to have a spike but we're certainly looking at that and then I think there's also you know another parallel we're not going to do retail outside but um, you know this idea of and I shouldn't say that because the sky's the limit so maybe we will do retail outside but um, people I think are feeling certainly more comfortable right now. And I, I think into the future, if it's 12 to 24 months away before we have a vaccine and um, people really, you know, want to be together as 200 and a bunch, you know, just um, thinking about those two things. And I, you know, we kind of talked about this and it's still on the COVID topic, but um, you know, just how people um, will interact and yes, they'll want to hug and kiss, but how weary will be of, you know, just surfaces. Um, so I don't know if any of those themes have implications um, in your mind for uh, what you're hearing from your current customers. Um, are people demanding or wanting outdoor weddings? And, you know, uh, is business picking up in other parts of the state? Um, so I think that's an interesting conversation. Certainly has some foreshadowing for for retail like how, folks. How does how does the current situation reinvent the nature of an event, basically, Rebecca, from where retailers might have thought about it in the past? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, and you know, we don't curbside is interesting. It's not an event, but there are certainly some. Um, I think there's a finesse to it uh, that. Maybe it should be like an event. <laughs> I, I'm obviously a gold meadow shopper and, and would be very excited to have something to, delivered to me uh, on, other than in a package to my door. So uh, I might be living outside the lines there a little bit. I'm a shopper. I, I love to go into the store. I, I, what, I'm a window shopper as well, though. I will shop online, look at something, watch it, convince myself that whether I need it or not, and then maybe a week later, perhaps a few months later, I'll go into the store and purchase it. And if it's a store that is not in New York City, or if I am too busy with appointments, I will order it online. But I think that people are craving that, that interaction. People love to purchase. They love to go into the store. They love the transaction. And if there's an event involved with that, then I'll be there really any time that someone's planning an event, but maybe particularly now, because as people decide, okay, this is my, this is my first big event post COVID or, uh, you know, with, with new parameters in mind or whatever it might be. And in some cases, some businesses may be thinking about events in ways they didn't before. Like they say, listen, we're not getting people to come in our stores. So we need to do events to get them in our stores in a different way. Let's, let's say, so my question is, uh, and using yourself as the the rubric here, how how should uh, business leaders think about choosing an event planner? The question is, how would you say the ideal way to go about identifying an event planner that's going to give you the best chance of success when? you know, you have perhaps the most challenges in front of you? How do you choose the right one? Why are you the right one, for example? Well, first of all, I think that it majorly counts on your budget. And, and when you're searching for an event planner, there are different categories. 
And there are some planners that really focus on, on backyard weddings. So if you're, if you're searching to have a uh, 20 guest or whenever the requirement is of 20 or however many guests they can have, then perhaps their budget aligns more within that type of planner. I focus primarily on luxury events. So my clients will have a luxury budget. And with that said, I think that, that it's very important as you're searching for your planner to make sure that you're looking for somebody that you can trust. Because this is a person who will come into your family, into your home. They learn all of this dysfunction pretty quickly. And you really need to know that you can trust them because they're in charge of the most important day of your life. So they need to be extremely diligent with a budget. And with a budget, that comes all different types of categories, such as what is the overall budget and what portion of that budget is the planner. I would be searching for somebody who is not taking commissions, for example, and somebody who is only being paid by you. That develops a major foundation of trust within the relationship because then they're utilizing vendors that are the best match for you and no alternative motive of having some type of a kickback. And double dipping, essentially, because some planners do that. I personally really got into the business for people and for for the pleasure of making people happy. And so when I decided to start my business, I wanted to make it extremely transparent that I am only paid by my client. And that is so that they are, that they really have trust with my services. Because if I'm getting paid by another vendor then that's not really in the best interest of my client. And that could average anywhere from 10 to 30% over your budget. And that is a huge category that people don't know about and are not aware of. And they could be overpaying for their event when they're on a tight budget and not even be aware. So that is a, a good question I would ask as you're interviewing and just being savvy of, of what that means because some people are, are not educated on it and I love to educate people. And so when, when my client interviews me, I make it transparent that this is what my fee is based on. And I think that that establishes trust right away. And they, they know that I'm doing my job because I love what I do. And I also think that when they're interviewing their planner, they need to understand that that some planners are only looking to do their wedding to get published. And yes, that is a major perk of doing luxury events, but is that the only reason they're doing it? Because if you strike through that marketing clause, will they stu still do your event? And so that's always a good question to ask. So those are two really big categories that uh, I would ask as you're interviewing your planner, because trust and genuine Genu genuinity is like so important and making sure that that person genuinely wants to work with you. Are you seeing an uptick in events outside of New York? We're, we're certainly, um, you know, one of the states that's hit hardest, but I'm curious about Miami and Chicago. They seem to be opening up more quickly. I think, well, <laughs> 
there are some event companies that already have started doing events and whether or not that's approved by the government is not my my uh, judgment but <laughs> people are doing backyard luxury events that's all on social media I'm not sure why they're advertising it but but I think that New York is going to be one of the first to to start and as soon as we're allowed to do larger events, we absolutely will. But in regards to destination, I think that people are going to be heading more towards the Hamptons and upstate for sure, because some of those areas are going to be opening earlier than the, right. the city of New York. And some people may organize some destination, but I don't think that is is really going to increase that much because it still involves people traveling. and and some of the more mature audience that attends weddings are scared to get on a plane. So I'm not exactly sure that is going to increase that much. I think that people are going to be doing smaller gatherings, more local, but still feeling destination, such as when I go to the Hamptons to do a wedding, it takes me a good four or so hours to get out there. And that really feels like a destination to me. And I'm not even a guest. So I, I think that we'll see an increase in Hamptons and upstate for sure. And people are all already discussing that more, more outdoor. Jessica, what, what kind of challenges do you think are going to be faced aside from budgetary as, you know, you turn to many of the suppliers that you've used in the past and either God forbid, you know, that they have not survived the re- economic realities of the moment or, you know, just transportation, you know, uh, length of time uh, for transportation of goods and supplies or inventory or whatever has been compromised, uh, you know, smaller staffs means, you know, longer processing time and so forth. So I guess maybe the question really is, what should someone hiring an event planner be thinking about? Uh, or or be prepared for knowing that these realities may exist and to some degree they're a little yet identified because you don't even necessarily know you know which of your traditional suppliers you know how affected they are till you go to them and you need something mm-hmm. we will absolutely see an increase of price on many items such as invitations is a big one because there are times where I'm having uh, an acrylic invitation sent from India. And now that certainly isn't possible. So we'll have to look at local retailers and there will be an increase to that because we're in New York, everything's more expensive. So I will see an increase of that. Wedding gowns is another big one. I think that some brides will be, the more nervous brides will be more interested in getting a local designer or there are some designers that are in Canada that where they could essentially drive to get it if if need be or something like of that nature. But I I think that for the most part, wedding designers are are moving on time on pace, and there might be some more limitations to certain fabrics that originally came from China because most fabrications come from China. So I think that hopefully uh, some new uh, companies will be coming up in the U.S. and will absolutely be starting earlier. So perhaps if we had a year of planning and we were going to start invitations not right away, now we will start right away because if we have to get something from out of country, 
something that is international, we will need to start earlier so that they have enough time. And if they want to do something local, just to avoid all of that, it will have an increase of price. It'll be interesting to see how that affects, you know, that becomes the new normal as the saying is like, let's say you've just typically started a year in advance with things that you would not have started a year in advance. I wonder if that'll start to become the pattern and then how that will affect budgets within companies that are planning events, knowing they have to plan further in advance and account for it in their budget at different times than they normally would. Uh, That's such a good question. It's definitely going to affect it because my clients spread out their, their contracts according to their budget. So they might not have the budget. Some do, but, but a lot of my couples are paying for their weddings on their own and they like to spread it, it out. And if they can order their invitations closer you know, to the deadline, they will because they just dropped 10,000 on their wedding gown at the beginning. So now if it's all up front, I think that they'll probably have longer engagements if they need to save more money and before, before they actually get married. Because on average, my couples are planning their weddings about eight or nine months out. It's not a year like it used to be, but it could mean that they're planning further out if they have to save more. Certainly the retailers I work with run really, really um, on, on short timelines, and that's not necessarily doable, and we're feeling it. Um, Jessica, probably in a lot of the same ways, we're going to do some back-to-shopping sales to help folks move inventory, and we kind of stumped ourselves because... Um, Mill workers aren't open to give us fabrication immediately. They're not considered essential. You could order stuff from IKEA off the shelf, also a, a timeline there and, and what's happening with their supply chain. Um, so the, the implications are um, are interesting and certainly will will have effects on everyone. So Jessica, let's let's round out this part of the discussion, getting away from COVID a little bit, talking more generally. Just in in general, Jessica, what can anyone putting on an event? particularly businesses, particularly retailers, uh, what should they be thinking about that can always put them on a, a track to the best possible event? The easiest thing for a retailer or venue or whatever is offering some type of service that can offer where it makes it the best event is that personal experience. And that personal experience is so minimal that it could be such as a Oshibori towel before they sit down for dinner so that they can clean their hands or a restroom attendant and not somebody who's trying to sell you something in the restroom but rather somebody who is just making sure everything is clean and available if something runs out they can replace it and there's just so many things that you can increase the the guest experience. And those are the moments that people remember because you can have a great band, you can have great food, you can have a beautiful ballroom or outdoor tent space. But when you walk away from the event, you want guests to say, wow, that was the best event I've ever attended because I've never seen that before. They really took care of us because people like to be pampered. And if a, a venue can go above and beyond and do the little things, those are the reasons people talk. And so when I do an event, 
the guests will see those little details and then they will start gossiping to all of their friends. And then that is how I get my referrals. And I learned that from the luxury brand that I previously worked for, Mandarin Oriental, which is one of the most luxurious hotels in the world. And, and they think of the little things and that is where I learned it. And, and it stayed with me. And to me, if you don't have those little things, it's just another event. You just go, oh, that was beautiful. Oh, that was fun. It wasn't, it wasn't anything different. But when you see the little things, wow, you know, a lot of guests that attend events that I plan, the, the guests very often come up to me and not to the client right away because they're busy. They'll go, they'll talk, tell the client later. But the night of the wedding, they'll see that I'm the planner and they'll come up to me and say, wow, you really thought of every detail. And it's the little things that people remember. And I think that that's in events, that's in retail, and it's everywhere. Anytime you are purchasing a luxury brand, it's about the little things. That's such a great point. Thank you for bringing it up. Uh, All right. So uh, coming up, we're going to get to know Jessica a little more on the human side uh, right after this. Entrepreneurista, a woman who organizes and operates a business, taking on greater than normal financial risks in order to do so. One who has a drive, passion, and vision with an undying determination to succeed. She is fiercely motivated, ambitious, and competitive, forging her own path to independence and success. That's an entrepreneurista. Through the conversations on the Entrepreneurista podcast, we want to celebrate failures reflect on successes, and get unfiltered about what it takes to be your own boss. This is the Entreprenista Podcast, presented by Socialfly. It's the best business meeting you'll ever have, with must-hear real-life looks at how leading women in business are getting it done, and what it takes to build and grow a successful company. It's beyond the gram, with no filters, no limits, and plenty of surprises. Check out all our latest episodes at entreprenistapodcast.com. All right, Jessica, uh, let's take a pause away from events as important as it is for just a moment. Let's talk about Jessica, the human being with a a round of personal questions. Uh, Rebecca, do you have any uh, on deck here that you want to fire away with? Uh, I do, but they are kind of related to your business, but, um, and you probably get asked this all the time, but I imagine people are curious. Um, So one of my first jobs in New York was at Vera Wang, and um, I'll just confess, I did not get married in a Vera Wang gown when I got married, (laughs) (laughs) Um, which seems like a a travesty, but um, are you married? Uh, And if so, uh, share with us, uh, you know, who you, who you were. And if you're not, um, you know, kind of who, what would your dream be? Oh, okay. My dream. Uh, I am single and I'm ready to mingle. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. For, for real, I'm ready to mingle. I've been stuck in, in my home too long. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I have focused on my career for a very long time. And so I only recent we started looking and I'm, I'm, I have a qualification process, which I feel that I have fine tuned pretty well. So first is the interview, which, 
used to be awkward for men. They didn't like to get on the phone. But now, because of COVID, I can get on the FaceTime. <laughs> I qualify them even better. <laughs> and, and so I'm dating on FaceTime. And I, I look at it this way. Like I do a lot of things. I have an amazing life. I love my, my career. I love my family, my friends and, and my faith and everything that I have is amazing. If somebody is going to step into my life, they will need to add value to my life. And I really am looking for somebody that is my best friend. So to all of you eligible bachelors <laughs> out there, here's a winner. Here's a winner. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. Well, what a great insight. I haven't, I haven't, I mean, I've seen articles about it, but I haven't really given a lot of thought to the challenge of, uh, or opportunity perhaps of dating through FaceTime. You know, I think about, uh, or, or however you do it, you know, the, it's a challenge and yet maybe it, it's gotta be an opportunity a little bit to say, Hey, getting to really know each other without, you know, the, some of the, traditional things that distract us from getting to know each other. And Jessica, you get a lot of, lot of props because I do think we are in this world. I have lots of daters around me, mainly female, but some male. And um, people don't always want to use the phone this day and age. They want to, you know, text or Instagram message or whatever it is. Um, and mm -hmm. there's something in the power of the phone call. And I, I hate to say it, even though I've been on way too many Zoom and, you know, G chat calls, um, and the power of also doing a, you know, a video, you know, you get, you get some insight there. So very interesting. I always tell, I always tell my single friends, anybody can sound amazing on a text message, but <laughs> you have, you, ha you have to get people on the phone and now it's more accepted, which works in my favor. So there are silver linings to everything. It, it it really throws the whole Cyrano de Bergiac theory out the window, doesn't it? Because there's no fake in it. <laughs> exactly. And you can now catch the married men. So it makes it even easier. Oh, no. <laughs> oh how about, boy, there's some, there's some Facebook lives I'd love to see. That's funny. Um, all right. Uh, my question is uh, through your many, many events that you've done, many weddings, uh, I know that there's, um, there's been a lot of bands. There's been a lot of music that you and your team have been in a position to research or procure. So what music have you discovered through the years that have become a part of the soundtrack of your life? And you say, oh my gosh, I'm so happy I did this event because now I know about this music. Who have you discovered? My favorite musician or my favorite band or... Whatever you want to say. Like who who has become integrated into your personal listening rhythms because uh no pun intended because of uh because of someone that you you had to find or procure or you were just put in front of because of one of the events that you did and you said oh my god i'm so glad i know about them now they're a part of my regular listening okay uh i've always been a huge fan of 80s and 90s music mainly 80s because i grew up in the 80s and for for weddings, they really focus on 80s because the best music was made in the 80s. So, <laughs> so I, <laughs> that's not an opinion of, of just me. I know it's, it's, it's a lot of the wedding guests are, are really <laughs> the 80s. And, and, and when we go back to the song list, there, there is, are many generations, of course, we need to satisfy the more mature crowd with some of the, 
some of the, you know, older hits and making sure that they're happy. But for the majority of the night, it's, it's a lot of eighties mixed with a little bit of nineties and then some current hits, but dance, true dance music is older music. And so, and I'm an old soul anyway. And so I like older music and one of the big purchases, uh, not expensive, but the most important purchases I made during our quarantine is an Alexa. And it really has brought me back to listening to music because I'm not listening to music at events right now. So I needed, I decided I needed more music in my home. And so I'm listening to a lot of eighties. One of my favorite bands that I use for events, uh, they're called the 11 band. And I feel that they have the highest energy. I've seen bands across the country where I've worked in many cities and I truly feel they have the best talent and energy. So if I had to pick one band out of the event industry, the 11 band is my favorite and they bring that, that true energy that you need to, to have that live party really at the top. Uh, I love that so much. And yes, eighties music definitely up there. When I got married a year ago, there was, plenty of 80s music in our soundtrack <laughs> um, then again that was truly my my you know i graduated high school in the 80s and college so you know that that is my music but uh, oh my god did i just say that that it- is my music oh my god <laughs> what what did you say when, when does it print put you in a good mood i mean like, oh my god i know as soon as it prints Prince song comes on it's everybody's <laughs> excited or Whitney Houston I mean as soon as Whitney Houston comes on everybody's go. dancing the whole ballroom gets up there you go all right well uh how can people connect with you in the work that you're doing and and hopefully uh you know look into hiring you they they may visit my website at www.jessicajordanevents.com they may also contact me through Instagram and which is my my handle is at Jessica Jordan events and those are the two best ways they're welcome to email me Jessica at Jessica Jordan events.com awesome well Jessica please uh, I, I really hope that uh, as you as you look ahead and all the things that you need to do from a networking standpoint, from a connecting businesses standpoint, from a booking wedding standpoint, and from trying to lead the pack through this, and uh, I think your positivity is a really, really great way to to lead that. So uh, I admire that and wish you the best of luck as you, as you forge ahead over the coming months. I hope you come out on top. Thank you. It's been such a pleasure. Same here. Thanks for all of the insights and for joining us. And uh, that's it for this episode of Retail is Your Business, everybody. Uh, It's been a fun one and uh, appreciate you listening. Uh, Until next time for the extraordinary and inestimable Rebecca Fitz. Thanks, Mark. I'm Mark Rako. Have a great day, everybody. Bye-bye. This has been Retail is Your Business, produced by Mouth Media Network. Copyright 2020. Your brand message can be on this show. Email us to find out more at podcast at mouthmedianetwork.com. Thank you for listening. This is Mouth Media Network. Amplify and connect. Connect.